I'm going to start this message at verse 15, and then I'm going to kind of cruise around in the book of Ephesians. We are taking a break between chapter 7 and chapter 8. Uh, I'm going to study uh, the First Corinthians because uh, I think you'll see why when I finish. Um, perhaps we should pray. Father of all glory, help me. Help me now. Amen. A lot has gone on uh, in our fellowship in the last six months. There's a lot has happened in the last 10 years of me being the senior pastor. And a lot more has happened in the uh, 15 years that we've been in elder government. Um, And yet I hear a lot going on in politics. It is that time of the year when I hear about President this and this person this and this person that. Who will protect us better? Who will help our pocketbooks? Um, We who are of voting age, we who exercise our right to vote, um, tend to pay a little more attention. And as I listen to it all, and uh, the years as as a pastor, the years that I have walked with my king, I have come to a profound conclusion that none of that really makes any difference. The Democrats cannot help you. The Republicans cannot help you. I don't think Ralph Nader can help you. And uh, I believe that what you have before you now is a crisis. I believe it is greater now than any time that I've ever seen it. Um, and I believe the crisis does not exist in the United States. I believe that the crisis is the church. I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is crying from heaven for the repentance of his bride. I entitled this message, Redeem the Time. If you had an outline, if I put an outline together, it'd have two points. God's heart and my heart. And I want to share with you first, God's heart. Okay? Chapter 5, let's look at, uh, beginning at verse 15, we'll look at 15 through 21 first. All right? Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand that the will of God is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation 
but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. I want to stop right there, start right there, I guess. And then verse 16, New American Standard Translation says, making the most of your time. It's literally one word in the Greek. I think the King James, New King James translates it, redeem the time, better translation. Okay, because the word in the Greek is a compound word and it literally means to pay money for that time. Okay, but it's in the middle voice and it means that it's going to be paid for something that you can't pay for. And if we think about it, how much time do you have? James says that life is but a vapor. Do you know how much time you have? Are you guaranteed this afternoon? I'm not even guaranteed that you will survive listening to me. And yet he starts it with, be careful how you walk. And he makes this statement for the reasons in verse 14, awake sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will what? On you. Because the days are evil. And he says, I don't want you to walk as unwise men. I want you to walk as wise men. I found a little quote, and I don't know how long I've had it because it's, I didn't even write down who, who made this statement, but it's a wonderful quote I wrote in the back of one of my Bibles, and it says, Better led by God than bled by life. You know what? How many in this room right now are being bled by life? If I'm going to redeem the time, if I am going to pay the price for this time, that it is of value, I'm going to use it to its fullest measure. Ask yourself a question Who's leading? What is life leading you or are you leading life? See, God's heart is that Christ will shine upon you. Ask yourself a question right now. I look at this, this is the perfect group. Okay? Do you feel the radiance of the Lord Jesus Christ on you right now? Because that's what he says, because I want you to be careful how you walk. I don't want you to be unwise. Make the most of the time. Why? The days are evil. Not only that, he wrote 2 Timothy and said that they're going to get worse. And he says, don't be foolish. All right? If I am not going to be foolish, how? You're going to have to have your Bibles. How am I not going to be foolish? It says it right there. 
Let me ask you a question right now. How many of you right now know exactly what the will of God is for you? How many know? Or how many of us are just bouncing around doing what? Being bled by life? How many of you are just going through the motions? How many of you are just putting your time in? I'm putting my time in life. One of the ways to overcome this and know the will of God is who's leading, verse 18. I've I've watched a lot of craziness come out of this single verse. I'm not going to get into the craziness. It says, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Right? If uh, a person is drunk on wine, who's in control? The wine is. All right? So the illustration here is that if you are to be wise and to know the will of God, how am I going to do it? Be filled with the Spirit. Who's leading if the Spirit is leading? Spirit is. I'm drunk on the Holy Spirit. How do you know a person is being led by God? Any ideas? Have you ever had, if you've had kids, have you ever gone through the trauma of trying to teach your children manners? Huh? Yes, you've had kids know exactly what I'm saying. Okay, that's a very polite child. No, that's a parent that was faithful and worked their tail off. Okay, to have polite kids. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe children are polite by birth? No, they're nasty, self-centered little creatures. Okay, let me show you a person who is spirit-fed, filled. They speak to one another how? Psalms is praises. Okay? Psalms is not your praises. Psalms are praises to God. You cannot believe how God has used you in my life. You just do not understand what you mean and what God is doing with you in my life. That is Psalms. You know what hymns are? Theology. The old hymns are theologically based. They take a theology and they put music to it. Spiritual songs. What is that? That should break forth from the first two. There should be an overwhelming joy that just, you know, I'm looking at praises to God and I'm looking at great theology and all I can do is sing. That's a spirit-filled person. And there's always a melody of the Lord in their heart. But verse 20 is probably the key. How do I know a person is filled with the Spirit? How do I know a person is being led by the Spirit of the living God? They're grateful. Have you ever had your little kids and say, you know, they get a gift from somebody and you tell your kid to say what? Tell them thank you. 
You know what is the primary picture of a lost person in Scripture in the New Testament? They have no gratitude. And a child of God will have gratitude. Do you? I got to be personal today. All right, I have to be personal. Can you look and say thank you for my next heartbeat? But let me ask you a question. Did you take that heartbeat and redeem the time? Let me show you something else. Okay, understand where I'm coming from now, all right? We're going to chapter 4 of Ephesians. We'll get at verse 1, but we're going to cruise all the way through 16. This is the Apostle Paul. He's in jail when he writes this. This is his first incarceration. He says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you. You know what the word implore means? Some of you say you do and some of you. Yeah, it's I'm begging you. I'm getting on my knees and I will do anything to get you to do this. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. And then he describes it. It's humility. It's gentleness. It's patience. This says you're showing tolerance to one another in love. Interesting thought, isn't it? Because the end of verse 21... In chapter 5 says, be subject to one another in fear of the Lord. How can I be subject to one another in fear of the Lord? Humility, gentleness, patience, and in love. Then in verse 3, he makes an interesting statement, and I see this and I deal with this on a regular basis. Uh, especially outside of these church walls, this, these building walls. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I see people trying to create the unity of the Spirit. And it does not say that I have to create the unity of the Spirit. I am only to preserve that that is there. I don't have to go chase it. I don't have to go find it. But blessed are the peacemakers. Yes, they are. And the indwelling of the Holy Spirit gives me the unity of the Spirit. Okay, then it gets into, I want to show you verse 4 because it is funny because this is where we're at, brothers and sisters. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is, it's not in your Bible. It's not originally in the text. It was added. So it says, preserve the unity of peace. The spirit in the bond of peace, one body, one spirit, just as also you were called. One hope of your calling. It's one Lord. It's one faith. There's one baptism. There's one God. There's one Father over all and all through all and in all. Okay. Now, I'm not going to get into that. That there is what they call a plethora of information. But basically what he's saying is, you who have been called, he's coming out of chapter 3 and he says, guess what? You Gentiles who once were children of wrath 
are now united with those who claim the name circumcision. But this is not an outward circumcision which is done with the hand. This is an inward circumcision which is done by God Himself. He cuts away the excess of the heart. And He says, you Gentiles, you Gentiles, and you Jews who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what? You are one. Preserve that unity because you are one. You don't become one. You don't go try to be one. You are one. Just preserve it. How do I do it? Humility, gentleness, and agapon. The verb form of agape. It says, I love you and I, regardless of your response back, I am unconditionally yours. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling us. That's what he's crying to the church in Ephesus. That is what I'm crying to you today. Because I want to move to verse 7. Verse 7 says, But to each one of us, grace Okay, the key there is was given. Did you get that? Paul told Timothy in the midst of persecution, what was he supposed to do? Stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Where is that grace? Was given. Do you know the implication of was given? Past tense. You already have it. It's already there. And it is according to the measure of Christ's gift. This comes on the heels of him saying, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies according to the riches of God. Not out of the riches of God. It is according to the riches of God. Out of his riches would be like Bill Gates giving you a couple of thousand dollars. Out according to was he says you now have a room in my family only multiply that times infinite now got it so he's saying that you have grace and it is only measured by Christ's gift you got that Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a captive of a, he led captive a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Stop right there. Nine and ten is a parenthesis. I'm not going to deal with nine and ten. All right? Do you see what he just did in verse eight, though? Psalm sixty-eight, eighteen. Key text. Key text. What does it say? He ascended on high, and he led what? Captive, a host of captives. You know what that means? When Paul in Corinthians says, you are not your own, you have been bought and paid for with a price, guess what just happened? You are a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're a prisoner. I'm digging it. 
take me away. <laughs> Shackles could be so wonderful. Why? Because I've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Okay, I want to drop to verse 11. Now here's where we're going. In this grace that he has given. All right? And it's only based on the measure of Christ's gift. It's all it's made. Okay? Look what he said. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. <laughs> I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to pick up the rest of it in a minute. You know what he said, just, he just laid out? Chapter 2, he describes it and he says, the foundation has been laid by the apostles and prophets. Okay? Do you know what the foundation is that he's speaking of? The church. Okay? The church is not a building. Okay? If you're saved today, this is my key. If you're saved today, you are part of a building, a structure that was begun, that began with the apostles and prophets. Okay? Now think about it. Say, come on, people. Pay attention. This is crucial to you this day. You have no idea what day it is. You don't know the hour that you have right now. And Jesus Christ is crying to you. Today is the day of your salvation. A foundation was laid. It was laid by men who seen the resurrected Christ and said, Thus saith the Lord. And those men were sent out to the far reaches of the world to reach you and me. They had prophets. They had men who were overwhelmed by the spirit of the living God. And they stood forth and they said, Thus saith the Lord. They didn't say, let's debate this. They didn't say, let's dialogue this. Or what do you think? They said, thus saith God. That was the foundation. I was in construction. What do you do after foundation? Set the floor on it. You set the walls on top of it. You want to go multi-story. You set the next set of floors and all the rest of it. The foundation's laid. Foundation was laid before the first century was done. Okay? So if I'm going to build to the walls, if I'm going to build multiple floors and multiple rooms, how am I going to do it? He says, I will give you evangelist and pastor teachers. It's literally one word in the original language. It's not two words. It's not pastors and teachers. It's pastor teachers. Okay? Truth of the matter is, both of these words are verbs. Poemia is a, a shepherd. I will give you shepherds. And it's not that I have the title of shepherd. It is that I have the work of shepherd. Shepherd. 
Okay, I heard it illustrated this way. You can be a teacher and not be a shepherd, but you can't be a shepherd and not be a teacher. So you see why the two are one? If you're going to shepherd, you've got to teach. All right? But you also have who? Evangelists. Where are these people? Where? Come on. Where are they? Some of you afraid? I've showed you where they're at. The Bible shows you where they're at. Where are they at? No, man, I want to know where they're at. Now, in this room, where are you? Because he said, I've given them. That's what I want to know. See, if I look at the text of shepherding, I don't look at the text as an office of shepherd. I am my brother's keeper. Guess what? So are you. Every single one of you. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. You have a shepherding ministry. It's a drag, isn't it? He's not given definite articles here. He's not given nouns. He's given verbs. Why? There are evangelists. You know what the evangelist does, don't you? He packs out. He goes and rents Mile High Stadium and does what? Has a bunch of music and all the rest of it. Is that really what an evangelist does? You know what the greatest evangelist that ever walked this planet is? He's not from South Carolina. Okay, he's from Tarsus. The Apostle Paul is the greatest evangelist that ever walked this planet. Because he went where Christ wasn't named. And yet in a small group as we have, we should have evangelists. And I've got to ask you a question. How are you doing? How are you doing with your shepherding? How are you doing with your teaching? Why? Because Jesus said, I've given them. You know what? I heard it said, it stated this way. You know what? God himself gifted men and then he gave the gift of men. Did you get that? He supernaturally empowers them and then he supernaturally blesses the people that he graces them with. I think that's cool. Okay, they're there for a reason. What is that reason? Verse 12 says for equipping. Okay, in the New American Standard. It literally means for strengthening up something. To make it stronger. For what? I'm going to strengthen things. What will they be? Holy ones. Holy ones. I'm going to strengthen holy ones for the work of service. And they will do what? What will they do? The body. You know your spiritual gift is not for being used outside of the body of Christ? Do you know that? Let me ask you a question. Are you exercising your spiritual gift? Because if you are, then all you have to say is, you know what, all I'm doing is strengthening saints for the work of service. 
It's a fascinating text. That's all I'm doing. I'm just strengthening saints for the work of service. Why? And then it just keeps getting bigger. Why? I'm building something. I am being... Now, I'm going to use the term. You guys who want to jump into hardcore sovereignty, go because I'm about to shoot your doors off. Okay, I'm a sovereignist. I believe God is absolutely sovereign. Don't ever kid yourself. But I have a text that will freak you out in a minute, and we'll get to it. Don't worry. Okay? Are you using your gifts? I don't care if you're a child today. Are you using your gifts? Adam, you using your spiritual gift? Brandon, you using your spiritual gift? Are you literally looking and seeing that what you have done is strengthening another saint and now all of a sudden they've started serving? People say, well, why do you teach so much? Really? You know how difficult it is for me to say how stupid of a question that is? Because I'm supposed to speak in love. And my love says, do you know how stupid a question that is? Well, how do you study so much? How else am I going to equip saints? Let's go on. What will happen until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of Son of God? Okay, the word knowledge there is really cool. Because it has to do its middle voice. And you guys, this is phenomenal. But knowledge is receiving information that grows me. Okay, but it's coming from an outside source. Not only that, it's laid out in the Greek language as an outside source with force behind it. So there's this outside power that is going to give me knowledge. Of the Son of God. To a mature man and to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Pretty good stuff, huh? Verse 14, he says, as a result. Okay, now here's where we're going to have to look a little bit. As a result, we are no longer to be children. Little bit. It literally is the step between infant. We don't need to be crybabies. Um, I think it was in the, the one political thing. Whiners. Whiners. Why? Because I got a plan. Here's my plan. I am supernaturally gifting men, and I will give those men as a gift to you. Why? They will strengthen you. That you may serve. And as you serve, you will get the same privilege. As you continue to serve more and more, your privilege will grow more and more. Why? And you will see a unity that shows up that will just absolutely freak you out. That's not a biblical term. And you'll see it before your eyes. There'll be a unity. Why? Because the focus will become the person of the Son of God. Not only that, He'll be manifested. You'll see Him Did you hear what I just said? You will see him. And you know what's cool about it? I'll see him in you guys. 
But let me ask you a question. How many of us are whiners? How many of us are crybabies? We are tossed here and there by every wave that carries about every wind of doctrine, the trickery of men and craftiness and deceitfulness and scheming. There's that schema word again, the system of this age. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. I've been accused of spending too much time in the New Testament. You spend too much time in the New Testament. My response was this. Have you mastered it? You're living Christ-filled life that you can go spend time in. The Old Testament. And they said, I believe so. I said, well, you must have missed something because I have taught the book of Judges. I've taught the book of Daniel uh, and Genesis. So what just happened? It's a crybaby. And you know what? The person's life testified that they are tossed to and fro. Their last consent to me was that I can't sit under your teaching because you do not honor the Sabbath. And I said, that's the reason you need to get out of the Old Testament and get into the New Testament because the New Testament says, do not let people put Sabbaths on you or holidays or new moons or festivals or feasts. But we speak the truth in love. We grew up in all aspects to him who is the head, even Christ. Okay, now I want to look, look at this. Did you see what he just did here? He says, I have gifted you people with grace. Now, I've got to be specific today. I, I need to talk to Castle Rock Baptist Church. He says, Castle Rock Baptist Church, each one of you has been given grace and it's according to the measure of Christ's gift. He has also given you evangelists, pastor teachers. He's given them to you for the equipping of the individuals, each and every one of you, every one of you, hear that, for the service of building up of the body of Christ. And you'll know that you've arrived because you'll have the unity of faith and the full knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to a measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Did you get what he just said there? The fullness of Christ. You know what the word fullness there means? If you look at secular Greek, it talks about a ship, a warship. And a lot of times warship didn't have a man for every post. And so what they'll do is they'll add, you know, one guy instead of doing his single job, he'll do a few other jobs to kind of, because we don't have enough bodies to put in those positions. Uh, I've seen it with uh, the United States Navy. You'll have a guy who may be a machinist's mate and a gunner's mate. Uh, during the, when they're not in combat, he may be doing uh, maintenance, electrical or stuff like that. When combat comes, he moves and takes on a gun position. 
Okay? The word fullness in the Greek means that every single position is man. You don't have somebody doing something that they weren't called to do. So he says, she belongs to the fullness of Christ. And he says, if they're tossed around like little crying babies and every wind of doctrine and trick that comes along in deceitful scheming, you spot them. But we will speak the truth in love, he says. We'll grow up in all aspects to him who is the head. Okay, now I want to show you Castle Rock Baptist Church, verse 16. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every, do you get that? Every joint does what? Supplies. According to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. How you doing, Castle Rock? It says the whole body is being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Are you supplying? But it says, even if I am supplying, is it according to the proper working of each individual part? Is each individual part doing what is proper? It causes the growth of the body, the building up of itself in love. Okay, what does that look like? Piece of cake, let me show you. Turn with me to Ephesians 5, 22. Okay, in the original language, after wives, it says be subject. That's not in the original language because he's coming straight off of verse 21. Okay, always giving thanks is a picture of Christians, why they have hearts of gratitude. Be subject to one another in fear of Christ, wives to your own husband. That's how it translates. What? What is he still talking about? Subjection. Okay, so they added that, and I can see why. Okay, and you wives, you are to be subject to your own husband as unto the Lord. Why? Because we are to be subjected to who? One another as unto who? Then he goes through. This is our marital bliss text. This is the text that people want. I'm going to get married and I need marital counseling and can you help me be married? No, I can't help you be married. Uh, Help me instruct in God's marriage and all the rest. And we go through this thing. The wife is subject to their husband. Husband is the head of the wife. Christ is the head of the church. He gave himself as a savior of the body. Church is subject to Christ. Also to the wives ought to... <clears throat> to be to their husbands and everything. And of course, you know, bonehead husbands, you need to love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for her, having <clears throat> so that he might sanctify her by the cleansing her and washing her the water of the word. We know all that. 
We've read it. We've sat in Christian counseling sessions. I got married and the preacher told me I'm supposed to do these things. I understand these things. The woman says, see there, the man's supposed to love me, but it doesn't say I got to love him. I've heard all of it. But you know what I've done wrong with this text? I missed verse 32. Two men coming together, or two women, men and women, whatever I'm trying to say, coming together in marriage and, and, and leaving and cleaving and all that stuff that is laid out there and the two shall be one and we just think that's awesome and we just think, wow, how cool is that and all the rest of it, right? It's just cool. Wow, it's just something, isn't it? You know why? The mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to what? You know that that text there beginning in verse 22 and going through 30 has absolutely nothing to do with marriage? It says that the body of Christ should look just like Christ. And every joint supplying what it was needed so there's an absolute unity. Remember he gave us evangelists and pastor teachers? Do you know why? So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Do you know that? Why? That he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, not spot nor wrinkle or any such thing. She'd be holy and blameless. I want you to think about something today. Okay? That's God's heart. And I'm not done with God's heart, but I gotta show you Terry's heart now. Three weeks ago I shared with the, from the pulpit that you need to get a hold of everybody that you can and bring them to hear this message. Look around. How do we do? I had some people ask me about June's budget. And they were concerned. What can we do? And I heard people saying we need to do fundraisers with this and that and the other. No, we don't. You know what breaks my heart right now? You people don't even know one another. You have no idea who the other people are. How in the heck can I serve somebody if I don't know who they are? I remember teaching one time on evangelism and said if you can't pray for the people, you can't reach them lost. And it hurts me because I've been with you guys for 17, almost 18 years. And I see people in this fellowship who don't even know one another. 
That's one thing if we come from a mega church that has a watered-down gospel and doesn't teach doctrine and doesn't show anything, doesn't teach anything. But you know what? We're without excuse. Some of you, the best thing that you can describe about me is that I preach too long on Sunday mornings and that's the only time you ever deal with me. Some of you are so wrapped up on what you should be doing or what you think you should be doing, you don't even understand that God has gifted men and women into your very presence that would strengthen you, that you could be used beyond your understanding. God says, I'm only going to do miracles to people. That's what my church is. Do you understand that the church is the manifestation of the incarnate Christ? Do you know that? Let me show you a text. Ephesians 1. I want to start in verse 15. For this reason, I too, having heard, Ephesians 1, verse 15. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints. I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. See, that's a shepherd. A shepherd has a heart of gratitude. A shepherd has a heart of prayer. And a shepherd also knows that the people well enough that he says, I know the faith that exists among you. But he says, praying for them, this is what he prays, verse 17, that God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. All right, it's not a new sentence there in verse 18. He's still continuing on out of verse 16 when he says in my prayers the eyes of your heart might be enlightened that you will know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of his glory of the inheritance of the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but the one to come. Stop right there. Do you see the power source that is behind the church? Does that mean no? Listen, I have been told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that I am to admonish the unruly. Admonish means I'm going to come alongside and say the path that you're on is a detriment. And here's why. Okay, the unruly is someone who is a military term. Anybody who wants to go, if you're going to go to the right, they want to go left. You want to go forward, they want to go backwards. <coughs> How are you doing this day? So I don't want anybody, nobody's immune from this. I have to look at it. 
you take the name Christian today, you have to look at it. The single greatest man, the single only manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world is his bride. What you see around you today is not the bride of Christ. If you go to the big churches, it is not the bride of Christ. That's a, that's a business. It's run by the, the way of men. Check it out. Go look at it. It's a business. If I hire enough CEOs and management people, then I don't have to minister. And yet it says that the gifts were given to who? To you. For what? Equipping the saints for service, not hiring servants. Listen. It's a broad brush statement. Some of you are laboring. And I will give you the same text that Galatians, that Paul gave Galatians, or that was given in Corinthians. Don't grow weary of doing good. But ask yourself a question right now. What's important to you? I want to take you back to my text. Chapter 1, verse 22. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. Why? Because the offering of his sacrifice on our behalf was accepted. Therefore, he was raised from the dead. That's basics of it. And he gave him as head over all things to the church. Okay. Who was Jesus given to? Is that how it reads? Okay, then it describes it in verse 23. Which is his body? Did you read the next phrase? Did you read that? Let me read it. The body is the fullness of Christ. You believe the Word of God? Is it? Do you see the fullness of Christ in Castle Rock Baptist Church? My heart summed up in verse 23. It has become an obsession to me. 
And first, I want to um, ask for your forgiveness. I preached too long. I have been uh, told that uh, I preach like I'm angry. And you know what? Sometimes I have been. I sometimes preach because I am discouraged. Which means I take for granted the privilege that my king has given me. I have done very, very many things wrong that given another chance I would do them better, do them different. And I praise some of you have been with me for my whole 10 years and I praise you for your perseverance. But I am in a place of dread right now. We, uh, we're not on the same page. I love every one of you. I'd lay my life down for every one of you at a moment's notice and I don't even have to think about it. But we ain't on the same page. I told my wife a couple weeks ago that I'm having an affair. And my wife kind of looked at me and smiled. I said, but I tell you what, it's one of the most brutal affairs I've ever read of. (laughs) I have a love affair with Christ's bride. She means more to me than my life. She means more to me than my children, than my wife, or any earthly possession. But I fear that not many of you have that passion, which puts us at odds. I have a list of stuff here that I thought would be fun. (laughs) But I don't know. I look at the power source that the bride of Christ has and I know for a fact that we've not tapped it. And it's killing me. I don't need games. I don't need methods. I don't need systems. I need people's hearts who beat as Christ's heart. I know my shortcomings. Some of you have been gentle in sharing with me and some of you have not. And that's not the issue. 
the issue is, does Castle Rock Baptist Church, which is the body, manifest the fullness of Christ? That's the question. I would like to start a radio program with Wayne, 15 minutes a day, five days a week during rush hour. I've been asked to start a Bible study possibly in Fort Collins. I would like to see us put together a scholarship fund for IBEX students so that kids who are in the master's college out in California could draw from the scholarship fund to spend a semester in Israel. It will change you. We've been asked to be a part of, I've been asked to be a part of the Antioch Initiative to set the literal framework for 11 time zones across the lands of Russia. Do we have money to send people, to help people get there? I've been in contact with uh, Karen Duncan, who has an amazing, miraculous women's ministry beginning to single women's and widows and pastors' wives in Russia. I have been asked about starting a second service where the whole Bible would be taught in four years, Genesis to Revelations. We have, we have a need for Sunday school service. We need help in the nursery. We budgeted for a project called Seed, spiritually equipping and edifying disciples for service. I've had two people interested in it. Emily Griffith is begging for the light of Jesus Christ to be shown, and the only one who'll step forward is a man and his wife. We have an opportunity to teach English as a second language to a community that's growing more Hispanic by the day. There's a leadership conference at Olfords. How many would be willing to go to that? There's a preaching conference done by the Olfords in Albuquerque. How many is willing to do that? We have two master's degrees in biblical counseling that can help us take theology and how does it fit in my day-to-day grind. I'm not talking about crisis. I'm talking about day-to-day grind. I took up last Christmas trying to learn to play the guitar because I want more music. There are some of you in this body who are talented. God has given you an ability to play, to read music, and you're not. We have doors open in the nursing homes and the assisted living. That's just a quick group that I've got. I can't afford a radio program. I can't afford to go to Russia. But these are things that are on my heart. And I don't know... Perhaps my being here is more of a frustration to you. Perhaps your being here is more of a frustration to me.
But I have just shown you from the word of God what the bride of Christ is called to. You can either be a part of that or you can continue on the path you're on. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your precious bride. Lord, I uh, I ask that you would uh, would help us. Father, help us. The power of eternity is here. Father, let us surrender to it. To your praise and glory. Amen.